No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where both Joshua and Eliezer, the high priest, die and are buried in the promised land. Since we will all one day go the way of the earth, how should we then live? We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Joshua chapter 24 on Simply the Bible. We come today to that certain truth that one day we will all go the way of this earth. But when it comes to death, we do not sorrow as those who have no hope. We continue in Joshua chapter 24, verse 29. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath-Serah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gaish. Joshua had been the servant of Moses. When Moses died, he became the leader of Israel. He conquered the land and divided it among the 12 tribes. Many titles could have been assigned to Joshua, but the one the Holy Spirit chose to give him at his death was the servant of the Lord. I can think of no greater title than this. The Apostle Paul introduced himself as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And I pray that when I reach the end of my life, I would be known as a servant of the Lord. The desire for people to seek titles rather than to simply be known as servants shows us how different the world is from the kingdom of God. Jesus made it clear that his kingdom is upside down, where the greatest among us is our servant. Jesus, the Lord of all, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his own life as a ransom for many. He told us that if we want to be great in his kingdom, then we must humble ourselves and learn to be the servant of all. What a wonderful place this would be if more people delighted in nothing more than to simply serve God and serve others. Now Joshua was buried in the city that was given to him called Timnath-Serah, which means abundant portion. How appropriate that this was the final resting place of Joshua. Truly, those who serve the Lord will find ultimate rest in an abundant portion. In life, we rest in God's grace, protection, and provision. In death, we rest in that heavenly place of eternal abundance. It is interesting that the book of Joshua has two bookends of death. It began with the death of Moses, and it ends with the account of three deaths, Joshua, Joseph, and Eleazar. Joseph had died hundreds of years earlier in Egypt. But when they left Egypt, they carried his bones with them. And now we are given the account of his burial in the promised land. This is the cycle of life in this world, which has been marred by sin and death. One person dies, another is born. That person dies and another is born. Right before I was born, my great-grandfather died. I heard about him, but I never knew him. And three weeks after our daughter was born, my father died. Now, he got to hold her in his arms, but she never knew him. 
On and on it goes from one generation to the next until one day Jesus Christ will return and stop this merry-go-round and the last enemy to be put away will be death. And then in the new heavens and new earth, there will be no more sin or death. How fleeting our lives are in this world. The Bible compares our lives to a vapor or to the grass of the field that is here today and tomorrow is mowed down. Since we will all eventually go the way of the earth, how shall we then live? We should seek to serve the Lord every day, realizing that this day could be our last. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.16, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Whatever you're going to do for the Lord or for others, whatever you want to accomplish with your life, do it today or at least take the first step today. The opportunities are many, but the hours are few. Verse 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. The fact that Israel served the Lord during the days of Joshua shows how good of a leader he was. He carried much influence with that generation. When God first charged Joshua with the task of succeeding Moses, he told him, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The Lord made Joshua strong and courageous, and Joshua did keep the law of Moses. Therefore, God made him prosperous and gave him good success. Joshua conquered the Canaanites and divided the land among the 12 tribes of Israel. He had been a good leader, and the people respected him and showed their respect by remaining faithful to the Lord throughout all his days and the days of the elders who were eyewitnesses to the mighty works of God. But as we move into the book of Judges, we will see that this obedience to the Lord was not passed down to the next generation, and they would soon depart from serving the Lord. So often it is the case that when there is a mighty movement of God in one generation, it is not passed on to the next generation. The people of that first generation were eyewitnesses to God's glory. They saw God move mightily. They relied upon God for his provision of grace and found him faithful. They loved the Lord with all their hearts and held fast to his word. They did not deny his name. But somehow they failed to pass on the same lessons to the next generation. Maybe they didn't want their children to suffer in the same way that they suffered. So they made sure that their children had the best things and were never in want of anything. But the truth is that a strong relationship with God is only forged through the fiery trials of life. 
So the pampered generation never experiences the same trials and never has to rely upon God as their only hope. Their prosperity becomes their downfall because they no longer need God and no longer rely on Him. Or perhaps the spiritual power of one generation is not passed down to the succeeding generation because the original vision and passion of the founder is not sufficiently instilled into the next generation. Rather than being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, they begin to rely upon their own understanding, human organization, and a human hierarchy of supervision. The life is sucked out of the movement. And rather than a dependency upon the grace that is given to the humble, man in his pride forms his rules and procedures, and a legalistic man-centered religion takes the place of the former movement of God. The people fall into the same trap as the Galatian churches, to whom Paul wrote in Galatians 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You see, the human tendency to rely on the flesh rather than the Spirit is strong. The ways and means of departure are many. We might even say that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the spiritual purpose, passion, and power of one generation to be passed down to the next. However, as Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I am personally convinced that the only way to prevent this death of a genuine movement of God is for one generation to see to it that the next generation falls in love with Jesus as they first fell in love with Jesus. As we consider our own generation, I believe that we older Christians must first return to our first love before we can ever hope to prepare the next generation for a fresh movement of God. Verse 32, the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. Now, this is curious that the account of the burial of Joseph's bones is inserted here. We know that before Joseph died, he gave instructions about his bones. He said in Genesis 50, 25, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, at the Exodus, the children of Israel brought the bones of Joseph with them. But now we are told that they buried them in Shechem, in the plot of ground that Jacob had bought. Now, before Jacob had died, he told Joseph, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So he was probably referring to this plot of ground at Shechem that became the inheritance of of the sons of Joseph. 
Therefore, Joseph's bones were finally able to be put to rest in the promised land given to him by his father Jacob. Now, why was Joseph so adamant about his bones being buried in the promised land? I believe it was because he had faith in the resurrection. And when he was resurrected, one day he wanted to be with the children of Israel and not in Egypt. You know, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has this resurrection hope. Whenever I do a graveside service, I always like to read 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, the book of Joshua closes with the third death mentioned, the death of Eleazar, the high priest. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. They buried him in a hill belonging to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. And so we end the book of Joshua. Now, one day we will all pass from this earth. But if we know Jesus Christ, it is not the end, but only the beginning of a glorified life where there is no more sin or pain or death. Thank God for the joyful, confident expectation we have in Christ beyond this life. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will begin the Book of Judges. Judges is a sad testimony of what happens when people turn away from the truth of God's word to do whatever is right in their own eyes. We hope you'll join us as we continue teaching through the Bible on Simply the Bible.